Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome to Health Matters. This is Dr. Ned Hoke again, enjoying, enjoying the moment with you. And today is a most unusual program. Um, as many of you know, uh, we at KSVY have been restricted to our home sites for pre-recording, given that we haven't been able to be in the studio. And so lots of different things have taken place for us in the process of providing uh, these shows for you. And in this case, a very unusual event, in, at least in, for the 15 years that I've done Health Matters Radio on KSVY. Today, I, I will be the guest as an interviewee of a, a host community radio uh, friend in West Marin, Alaya Hayworth, Haworth, I think it is, um, will be talking with me about my background and living in West Marin which I'm not sure that'll be of substantial interest to our listeners. Um, but I, in the last 15 years, I've very seldom spoken of myself. And so this would be a way of introducing myself to my long listing, to my, hopefully there's some long listing listeners and some new listeners who, for some peculiar reason, might choose to be interested in hearing about who Dr. Ned Hoke is, the oriental medical practitioner who for the last 40 years has been in Sonoma, but has now been restricted to his weekend place in West Marin. So that that uh, conversation uh, will, will begin shortly. And uh, of course, we'll be happy to have your feedback, should there be any. Um, but again, it's going to be a, a, a very personal expect, exposition about, uh, or, or an inquiry, I should say, and uh, this woman is an interesting person. Uh, I, when she, she did a pre-interview with me uh, recently, and during that interview, we discovered that we had paths in common, actually, which uh, were quite unusual, which we'll probably get to that. But we'll talk about a lot of, because she is interested, her, the, the intention of her interview is as she is the director of the Bolinas Museum, which is a um, really a quite remarkable small museum here in West Marin. And her commitment as the museum director is focusing on the arts. And she, she'll be probably sharing with us uh, and inquiring of me the period of my life when I began uh, a different sort of life in California early in the 1970s as a apprentice woodworker uh, with a famous uh, woodworker named uh, Espinay. And so we'll be talking about that, I'm sure, some. But like I say, the reason I'm saying this is because her orientation is not medical. Her orientation is artistic. And so she'll be coming at the topic from an artistic point of view. 
and there'll probably be very little conversation about my uh, medical career, even though the last 40 years I've been in Sonoma doing exactly that. So anyway, uh, that's the program for today, and I'm hoping you'll tolerate it. And if you're interested, I'm happy to share this bit of insight into, into who your host here at Health Matters is and has been in the past, and who knows, maybe becoming again. I've not yet again opened up my practice in Sonoma and have been hunkering down here in West Marin, and I do miss Sonoma a great deal, and um, that's why I keep doing these programs. So um, anyway, I hope this is of some interest to you, and if it's not, you can tune in some other station. But in the meantime, please stay tuned. We'll be back with you shortly. In the San Geronimo Valley, we stream live and archive at kwmr.org. Programming support for KWMR is provided by our listener members and by the San Geronimo Valley Community Center online at sgvcc.org. And now it's time for Original Minds, hosted by Eliah Haworth. Please stay tuned. Everyone, this is Eliah Haworth with Original Minds, and my guest today is Ned Hope. Welcome, Ned. Thank you, Eliah. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> we have on cover. Um, Ned has been an acupuncturist for 30 years, trained in China, um, a practitioner of ecological medicine. He was deeply involved with uh, Esalen and Tassahara. He worked with um, Art Carpenter, the woodworker here in Bolinas. Oh, so much. And also, Ned has a radio show every week up in Sonoma County called Health Matters. Um, maybe we could start there, Ned. Tell us about this radio show and how what we're missing. Well, it's um, one of those accidents of history. Um, somebody who I shared a, a land area in terms of my office, in terms of a group of buildings, put in a radio station near where my office was. Uh, correcting this is in Sonoma County. Yes, in Sonoma Valley, actually, and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, actually, I was part owner of the of the property, and um, I was working really hard. By the way, I, I had a I was forty years in Sonoma Valley, not thirty, but anyway, um, the the I was working so hard, and I and I wanted to have a sort of a broader outreach, a public service part of my work. And I couldn't figure out a way to do that in an easy way. So the easiest thing seemed to me to go and have a radio program on this local community radio station to offer my whatever I could give in a volunteer basis in the middle of the day, basically. So I, I took a show time in the middle of the day so I could then work with clients all morning and do, do the show in the middle of the day and then work clients in the afternoon. And then I, I feel like I've done some community service. So that's kind of how it began about 15 years ago. And what is the show, and who do you talk to? Well, the pr program is called Health Matters. I'm a, it's all archived on, on Substack. You can go to Substack and hear 15 years of programs. Aliyah, uh, uh, the program is basically, of course, a health show. And yet, because of the nature of, I guess, me and and... Uh, the sort of the situation, the world we live in, um, I was interested in things other than just simply providing, uh, you know, people calling in and saying, well, I have a sore shoulder, what should I do? 
I kind of didn't think that that was kind of the program I wanted to do. So instead what I did is I tried to um, bring uh, guests who had specific higher knowledge, usually higher, much higher knowledge than me, really, on, on various health-related topics. And that took me to uh, hooking myself up to a, a publicist network. So now I'm a, regarded as a radio journalist. And so publicists from all over the country sent me opportunities to interview people that they're making who have presentations of some kind. And I get to choose and invite people from that uh, publicity uh, protocol and, and portal, I should say. And it's, so it's, it's, it's taken me all over the world. I've interviewed people that have called me from uh, China, people who've called me from uh, Europe, people who've called me from all over, and many authors, many books. Um, again, most of them health-related, but some not so much so. For instance, last week, uh, my guest was Sarah Dykeman, who wrote a book called Bicycling with Butterflies. And when I saw that come over my publicity a channel that I could invite this uh, this person to my to my show, it 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 reminded me, of course, of uh, we in here in Bolinas uh, have a or have had I should say a a wintering overwintering place for monarchs, and so anyway, I wanted to find out what this woman who rode a bike for ten thousand miles from the from the overwintering site in Mexico to Canada and back, what she had to say, and and it turns out the book is really a rich story about a, a, a incredible journey of this bike trip. and But it also carries the, the message of ecology. It carries the message of the necessary things that monarchs are in terms of their pollinators. And so like bees and other, other insects of that type, they're, they're really essential to our food supply. So I wanted to share that with our audience. So that was not a health show at all. That was an ecology show. So that's what happened. The health shows were not 100%. I would always do a lot of ecology, and I did some politicians. And so anyway, so that's kind of a, a, a thumbnail anyway. Well, so you had many really remarkable authors on, and you said even you talked with the Surgeon General of the United States. That's that's a very broad outreach. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Uh, and, and then all other people, too. The, the, uh, the, the guy at FDA, the former director of FDA, who was the guy that took on the tobacco companies. I was very happy to have him on and tell the story about what it was that like to be an FDA director and take on the tobacco companies. And so there's, there is a certain amount of public policy advocacy that, that goes as part of the show as well. Well, and that must enrich your own practice, your own um, what you call ecological medicine. Well, I don't know. It's, it's so funny. I mean, I'm all doing that. I'm doing that show for 15 years. I can't say I think I've ever had a single client that has arisen from hearing me on the radio. And of course, part of that has to do with it. it I don't use it as a, as a um, advertising platform for myself. I, I barely mention my name and I don't talk about myself at all. So I actually was thinking more that it enriches your own thinking because you are talking to extraordinary people with, um, with very diverse viewpoints. Oh, of course. That, that of course, is the, the, the larger point that you're made, and you're, you're quite right to point that out. Absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the authors of the, particularly the authors of, of interesting books, 
has widened my psychological and emotional perspective enormously to hear people who have you know when people write a book they've 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 become very dedicated to a topic and so they they have some very penetrating ideas that they're they're seeking to share in their writing and then when they talk about it after they've just published it which is usually we get people that have just published their book and so they're they're way, they're way into it in a way that's wonderful to listen to because of course for me so much of uh, conversation and public chatter is just sort of noise and that's always been hard on my little on my ears to be honest and so I, I find normal media to be just incredibly noisy just with just full of sound without any intelli- without any real focus whereas these authors who've written these books are very insight in you know they're they're very concentrated in terms of what they're doing so speaking with them and reading their works has just exactly as you say has been enriching to me on all kinds of levels now, as an acupuncturist, um, and you were trained in China, is that right? Well, China was China was part of my training. I, I started my training in in Oxford, England, actually, at a medical school in Oxford, and then I I realized that I was not uh, not deeply in tune with the teacher of that particular style, so I came back from Oxford sort of unfinished, and then I went to um, China, and uh, I went to some uh, medical training in San Francisco, and so I kind of got it a lot of places. I also went to the University of California, San Francisco. They were kind enough to let me take medical school classes at the medical school, so I also did that. And all of this rounds up into what you call ecological medicine. Will you talk about that? I, I love that that balance. It, 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 we're not separate. We're part of this whole... Uh, of the whole. Well, ecological medicine was just the, or ecological the word, was just the closest thing I could come to say to try to alert my would-be customers and my existing customers that my particular goals were broader rather than merely symptom management. Lots of people go to acupuncture and Chinese medicine for you know, comfort-seeking and, and symptom management, which is basically the same sort of style that Western medicine tends to practice. And, and, and I don't want to make that, I don't have any snide attitude about Western medicine. I mean, that, that's, everybody's doing different things. But the, the, just the, the mere management of symptoms didn't interest me as much as the, the, the ability and the opportunity, I should say, to try to see how one's discomforts and one's really basically growth um, uh, path, if you will, which is which, of course, is ongoing um, throughout our lives. And one of the things that we humans tend to forget is that we're growing twenty four seven. And um, so, part of my job is not only to provide comfort and and skills and techniques and things of that 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 are pointed specifically at some particular medical problem. My my challenge is to try to give lessons and guidance in terms of how an individual fits into their life into their life energy better how their energy fits into their behaviors better i mean a lot has to do with dietary behavior a lot having to do with breathing behavior a lot having to do with hydration i mean the, the simple fact that so many people are just simply dehydrated is just remar- is re- remarkable and so lots of areas of, that modern medicine is not giving a lot of attention to 
that I, I, I think of myself as a barefoot doctor, which is a, there's a whole image there that I could talk about. But anyway, it's a very simple level and trying to give my clients the guidance of a barefoot doctor of how to really treat their life as a plant and, and, and love it and, and, and help it grow stronger and better. So that's what ecological my medicine means to me. My experience of Chinese medicine has been that you that practitioners look at the whole system, the whole body, um, and that always intrigued me because Western medicine, as you said, looks just as symptoms mostly, and just looking at the whole balance of the body um, is a very different viewpoint, and certainly, I think, much more effective. Well. Acupuncture is built on agriculture. That's the reason it does that. It doesn't do that because it's more holy, or more, or or more, you know, conscious. Even it, it's just that it that's that's the that's the soil of Chinese medicine. This, and so the, and and Western medicine looks at the whole body. And, and after all, you do blood tests, which test all different parts of the living system. So everybody's kind of looking at the whole body. But the Chinese medical system, because it's agriculturally based is is bound by its the limitations of its view if you will to be holistic will you explain agriculturally based yes well um i kind of the word sort of says it um the the well if you combine the you think of the you think of you think of the living form the body as a plant if you think of it that way then then you, if you use the philosophy of Chinese medicine, basically the philosophy of medicine and life is that life is a basic balance between fire and water. And so the issue of, the, the, so the ecology therefore, you can imagine in very simple terms, one can evaluate the life form, any, any life form particularly, again, particularly if you're doing it philosophically, but even clinically as you look at the body, you can evaluate it in terms of what it's, status is vis-a-vis fire and water. Now, they enlarge that, of course, into what's called the five elements. So there's, you know, wood, fire, earth, metal, water. So there's, there are other more uh, specific elements that the Chinese, you know, look at and use as diagnostic windows to look into how the physiology is working. But it basically, again, it's, built, it's based on a, on a sense of balance among the what it, what in western in the western side of medicine it's called humoral medicine it's it's they they think of it as regions whereas chinese think of it as energetics so the, there's a metal in humoral medicine and some other local in western medicine systems in the old style they thought of it more uh, well somewhat differently anyway the chinese had a whole elaborate philosophical thing that went with the went with the teaching but anyway it's so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's... <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so just to go back, I'm always interested in how people come to the direction of their life. And uh-huh. um, I love that we you talked about um, growing up in Minnesota, <laughs> growing up in a very established, educated family, mm. and you never wanted to just fit in which certainly makes you a candidate for coming to California. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, um, yeah. uh, For whatever reason, um, 
and there are many that are not worth talking about. But for many reasons, I, I kind of didn't fit very well in the world that I was part of in terms of the world that I grew up in. And so um, when I heard from my Sunday school teacher about Eslin in Big Sur that talked about the human potential and how there was an opportunity to become a different person, I thought, wow, I think I can try that. And I, and, and at the same, that was, of course, during the Vietnam War. And so part of what I had just, I, I had just been involved in was finding ways to avoid the draft. And um, uh, having accomplished that, I, I really knew that I needed to grow inside. I'd finished, I'd finished university. I'd started to have employment. And, and, but it, life was just so gray and dull. And I couldn't imagine. Uh, I, so California called me, and I didn't feel at all that I was that I knew, I didn't know it at the time that I was part of the '60s. You know, I, I didn't know that by, buying a Volkswagen bus and driving to California was was the thing. Was quintessential. I, I had no idea. It's just it just was what was in front of me. You know, what was the right way to get to California? What was to to buy an, a Volkswagen bus? You know, what I mean, so yeah. So I I got to be part of the '60s without having any any immediate sense of that that it was that it was happening and that I was going to be part of it well but what so for people who don't know what Esalen is will you explain just a bit because you were there in the early days it was really an exciting time really extraordinary I mean it's extraordinary today but um, there may be people who don't know what Esalen is so will you talk about that a little please well yeah sure Esalen is the name of an Indian tribe that was lived on the land where this this uh, in, this institute is this institute basically is a was the property of a of a of a of a man named Murphy who willed it to his son and his son was a Stanford graduate who with a man named Dick Price they they realized that there was there was a whole way of growing inside the inside of the spirit of man there was a way of developing what they called the human potential. And so they were they started to have classes and they invited teachers to come to Big Sur to stay at this really rundown old motel and give classes. It's a tr beautiful beautiful place in Big Sur south of Monterey. And um and then in, by the time I heard about it, my Sunday school teacher who herself was an, a social worker had started to go to Esalen classes in 1964-65, and uh, it was still pretty early in the Esalen world. It was still pretty much a rundown <laughs> motel, with a couple of young, enthusiastic, consciousness-seeking kind of people, and uh, who I, you know, we didn't know. I didn't know it at the time, of course, that they were going to become such an international sensation. But anyway, so my Sunday school teacher, teacher gave me a brochure and said. And one of the one of the uh, the titles of the of the the classes they were giving was the search for authenticity. Now I thought, wow, what an incredibly valuable thing to do is to and a, a wonderful opportunity. Could could it possibly be that one could search for authenticity? And that just grabbed me by the soul and got me in a Volkswagen bus. How interesting that your teacher from a church in Minnesota, right? Um, was reaching out, was experiencing early Esalen, was right. part of that exploration. Well, I was, I was very, I was, I was grateful, uh, you know, in sub subsequently because and she was just a wonderful person, but I, but I, but, but an extraordinary for me person in terms of a, 
what she led me to. Yeah. And so, so Esalen went on to bring these remarkable people together. Right. To discuss, to experience. A lot of it was experiential of um, the human potential. Right. So what did you find when you got there? <laughs> well, of course, the first thing you find is California, which is, of course, is extraordinary, extraordinary in itself, um, in terms of by contrast to um, uh, Lutheran Minnesota, you might say. I mean, I don't, and yeah. I and I say that with warmth, but still, Lutheran Minnesota is a different cup of tea. So there's that transition, and then, and then right away, there's this. There this whole body of people who are devoted to this um, opportunity to experience your body, to experience your feelings, to experience your. I, I mean, I'd never. Nobody'd ever give me any permission or give me any guidance on what you did with your emotions. Your emotions are just sort of. They're, my 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 grandmother said that they're, they're your snakes that you have to like manage it. You're quietly by yourself. You're never supposed to talk about them, and it's supposed to be like. The, the, they're, they're like troubles that you have to deal with. <laughs> and, well, and this is coming out of the 50s where, they're, where um, being different was really difficult. There was a, a conventional that was expected of people. Yeah, I, I guess that was... I, I, I'm sure. I, I, but anyway, the, the, the zeitgeist of Minnesota was not interested in here... What not, was not interested, at least for me in the development of, of the inner being at all. I wasn't interested in willing to hear and willing to explore what, what was, who we were and who we really were. And, and if, we, if we really got down inside ourselves, who, who, who's really there? And, 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 yeah. what, and, who, and what is their purpose? And where, where, where should they be? And what should they be doing in their life? They, the world that I was part of didn't seem to have any interest in that. So I came to California. <laughs> Well, and that's a reason many people came to California at that time. There was a real search going on, breaking away from the norms and really looking more deeply. And and a lot of that had to do with the Vietnam War, too, where youth was really changing. But so once you got there, what did you find? Well, what we had was we, I, we, we had... And I said we had, excuse me, <coughs> we had weekend classes basically, and then we had day, week-long classes, and 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 there was there were programs. I was just basically a surf. I mean, I I washed towels and I you know swept things and I moved rocks around. I mean, I I was the lowest of the low, uh, and, and 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 there were other people who came in at a higher level. They had a program called the residential program where you paid money to be part of this. The, the thing, but I was just a laborer, basically. But, but you were part of it. You were there. We were exactly. I mean, that we're was what experiencing that it. was. Well, but the thing was, not only was I a laborer, but I was allowed to take classes very inexpensively. I mean, I didn't have a, any money, and so for ten dollars, I could go hang out with Fritz Perls for the famous Gestalt psychologist. I could hang out with Fritz Perls for two or three days or a week and do Gestalt therapy, or I could hang out with. Um, uh, uh, Charlotte Silver and do sensory awareness or I could hang out with um, 
the the fellow I can't think of his name in just a minute. Anyway, r- r- really remarkable people who had very interesting processes to work with people on and p- experiences to put people through, or or they could guide a group encounters where people would, you know, be very emotionally present and and practice on working to ex- to experience their their emotional and their their feeling self. And and so I could do that on a regular basis, and it was just it was a it was incredible. It was an incredible godsend. I mean, I, I, I would wake up in the morning and I'd be so incredibly happy I almost couldn't stand it, you know. I. <laughs> and in general, it was a very exciting time culturally of of um, a lot of of this this study, like Fritz Perls, going out into the world and surprising people and bringing in interest and excitement about new ways of looking. Well, yeah, I mean, Gestalt therapy actually, though, is a well, that's is, just one example, right? But. Is a is a is a is basically built on Freud a little bit, and 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 Fritz Perls was a student of Freud, although he definitely departed. But there, a lot of it was psychology. So there was what it was was you might say it's emerging psychology, and some of the yeah. some of the psychology was. Um, you know, sort of widely spaced and in, 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 spread around California. But a lot of it was very localized, not just to Esalen specifically, but it was, it was very esoteric, a lot of it. So you would, the things that were happening at Esalen that I got to be part of were, almost weren't happening anywhere else in, in, for a while anyway. And so it, there, was this, there was the general zeitgeist, but there was the very much, for at least, I mean, my way of looking at it, of course, is, is very narrow, narrow gauged. But it was there was something happening at Esalen that was not just part of the general zeitgeist, but there was something that was really quite unique to Esalen. And that's what I mean that 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 eventually went out into really changed parts of our culture. What was going on there became um, in years to come. It, it became recognized and used in a in a much broader sense, but you were there with the excitement and the exploration and the sharing of these new ideas. That uh, was uh, just uh, just by happenstance, believe me. Just well, just just by happenstance. Our, uh, much of our lives are by happenstance, yeah, or else it's yeah. uh, you know it's it's more than that. Right. Well, it's interesting. There was one of my primary teachers at Esalen, a man named Dr. Ed, Ed Mopin, uh, wrote an article that was showed up in the, I think it was in the um, New York Times Sunday Magazine one time. and Or no, I'm getting this wrong. Somebody wrote an article about Esalen, and they were kind of poo-pooing it. And I, and I called Ed Mopin, and I said, well, he, he was a, a major figure in, in my presence there, and he was director of the, of the residential program. And this guy kind of poo-pooed Esalen and, and said that it was basically a lot of trickery and, and baloney and so on. And, 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 of course, a lot of people felt that way. So there was not certainly universal acceptance of, of the work that Esalen was doing. And, and so... And and also much of the stuff that that then came out of Esalen that then went mainstream, at least in in my view, um, became commercialized in such a way that the real exploration that that the the form began as kind of lost its exploratory uh, activity and became a uh, just another 
you know, another way of people to, for people to spend money. So it kind of like a lot of the new age things kind of became just sort of commerce. And so I was, you know, I, I mean, and of course when you're... So when you called Ed about that article... Well, I, I called him. I said, "Well," and, and I wanted to interview him about it. And he, but he just, but he had, a, he gave me a. I wish I could re- do a good res- response to both the article and represent that well, and then response represent Ed's response. But he basically poo pooed the poo poo, <laughs> and and said, you know, and and re- really reflected back on really what Esalen had done in terms of providing pretty much exactly what you just said. Per, provided an instigation to many things in the culture that have turned out to be extraordinarily valuable. So, so thank you for your recognition of that, and, 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 and I agree with you. I think um, since there, we have a little pause, this mm-hmm. would be a moment that we should give this back to Amanda for a minute. And, and uh, Amanda, are you there? I certainly All am. right. Shall we take our break right now? Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. All right, you are listening to KWMR, Point Reyes Station, and this is Original Minds with the host, Eliah Haworth, and her guest, Ned Hoke. I'm Amanda Eichstead. I am engineering today, and I want to let you know that the Community Land Trust of West Marin, also known as CLAM, is hosting a community conversation, sharing updates, and engaging community members in CLAM's work to create affordable housing in West Marin. The Zoom event will be held on April 26th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. More information at clam-ptrays.org or call 415-663-1005. That's clam-ptrays.org. West Marin Community Mediation is available to help you resolve disputes with neighbors, friends, or family, landlords, tenants, merchants, consumers. And- this is Original Minds. I'm Eliah Hallworth, and my guest today is Ned Hoke of Felinas. Moved here in 1971, but had a practice as an acupuncturist for 40 years in Sonoma County and practices ecological medicine. And we've just been talking about his experiences in the early days of Esalen. Um, so, Ned, Zen Buddhism entered your life. Um, was that, did you meet Suzuki Roki, Roshi through Esalen? Yes. Did, well, oh. Suzuki Roshi came to Esalen in 1968, if, I remember, if my memory serves. And lots of people had come to Esalen. And so, it wasn't that remarkable, actually. And, of course, Tassajara is just kind of over the hill from Esalen. So and tell it, people what Tassajara is, please. Uh, it's, in, it's, it's way, way deep into Carmel Valley, uh, which is just over the, the, the mountains from, from Big Sur. And, and what is, what is some may not know. Tassajara. Okay, Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. Tassajara uh, is a retreat center where San Francisco Zen Center... Is is one of their places, like Green Gulch over here in in near near us in Muir Woods, uh, and and then it's another the, the main place is in San Francisco on on Page Street, and um, anyway Suzuki Roshi was part of, I'm sure was invited to give a presentation. It was just he didn't do a workshop exactly, but I remember he just gave a talk, and and and, and I I just wanted to to to. to Couches. I mean, we Lama Govinda, the famous Tibetan, had been had come by, and other people, 
of Buddhist natures had come by. So he was one of several during my time there. And so it wasn't that remarkable. And yet I found Suzuki Roshi quite remarkable in terms of his presence. And since basically what I was at Esalen learning to feel and experience in a very lively way was a sense of a sense of human presence and also the opportunity for what was called, at least in, in called enlightenment, really. The idea that there was some possibility of, of actually having an awakened state of mind. And I had begun reading about that potential. And so Suzuki Roshi sort of represented a, a living example of that. And, and, and experientially to me, he was, he showed it in, in the way he moved and the way he spoke and the way he behaved. So I, I just immediately knew that I was going to go find him and spend time with him, and I did. And was that at the in San Francisco at the Zen Center? No, actually, um, I always was more oriented. After I was an Esalen person, you know, I liked the I liked the country, so I mm-hmm. I, I invariably went to Tassajara. So anytime Suzuki Roshi, I mean, I'd go to San Francisco and and. Spend some time listening to him there, but very seldom. Mostly, my my goal was always to, if Suzuki Roshi was at Tassajara, I would could try to be there as long as I could. Well, that's a rich experience, which has um, gone on in your practice throughout your life. Absolutely, and and we we have a West Marin sitting group uh, that a woman named Layla runs, and also, and so every. Two two times a week we have a right now we have a Zoom group and Carol Luther our our minister from St Aidan's Church downtown Bolinas is is a major major part of the of the local sangha of West Marin uh, Zen sitters and I'm part of it as well so yeah it kind of goes on and on. So St Aidan's um, until COVID provided a space for your sitting group. Yes, yes. And and the enthusiastic uh, participation of Carol. Carol is just truly a remarkable, spiritually oriented person uh, who has embraced Christianity, has has embraced the teachings of Buddhism as well, and she represents uh, what to me is one of the most remarkable kind of personages of personal exploration and. Uh, and a sensitivity to the opportunity that the spiritual practice represents. Mm, nice. And we have a real, we have a real, we have a very fortunate uh, presence there in, in our little town, little downtown Episcopal Church. Well, so how did this lead you toward um, acupuncture and Oriental medicine? Well. The world of experiential med- 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 medication, medication, meditation. I mean, I was talking about Ed Mopin, and Ed Mopin was somebody. Was she was my leader, and I he just started to do a meditation group, and we we did meditation and yoga every day, and so I started doing yoga and meditation every day, which is kind of just following the leader, and I got used to doing meditation, and then when I met Suzuki Roshi, then. Uh, so then the Zen world had a, um, uh, there, energetically, there's a, there's a similarity in sort of spiritual orientation in, in terms of the basic, after all, Zen is, comes from Chan, which is Chinese, which comes from 
the the world and it, it began in India, of course. But anyway, so the Zen really is another expression of of uh, of an ancient sort of sense of human potential, if you will, that that uh, that's that started in India, went to China, and then went to Japan. So the 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 feelings and the purposes of the activity were of Zen were experiential were uh, were willing to and to engage the, the the delightful necessity of inner exploration and so the things that had interested me that took me to Esalen took me to Zen took me to Chinese medicine and how did you pursue it well <laughs> being part of the Esalen world gave me a certain privilege to be part of something that then uh, uh, there was a teacher in Oxford that people knew about and having had the experience that I had and I was part of the gr I was part of a group of people some of them went to Oxford and went and started to do acupuncture training so it was kind of a I was just part of a wave of people that went to this particular school in Oxford to to take training and before that, had you hadn't you gone to other cities? There was a lot of interest in what was happening in Esalen, and you brought um, that to other universities and other. You spent time at Yale and other places, bringing right. some of. Ideas. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a couple of years where I there that we. It's kind of a, it's all hard to don't to to break the story down into simple pieces, but the. There was a meeting of people who wanted to bring the Esalen message to the larger world, and they set up these little, little, little Eslins in New York and Boston and Milwaukee and Atlanta and places, and they and they invited us junior junior leaguers or JV the JV team uh, from Esalen who had been working diligently in in the field of the work. They invited us to come and to teach in New York City. It was just amazing. You know, to be twenty some years old and to suddenly be teaching people and in a you know somewhat of an expensive environment and staying at fancy hotels after having been really basically just a serf that was a student in in in, in Big Sur. But anyway, and then I got invited to te to stay at, y at Yale for a year to teach there, and it was just amazing. I mean, for somebody who had really a lot of ex sort of recent experience in, it, in what's called experiential education, which is kind of how everything was called, but but no real deep grounding in anything. No, certainly no intellectual grounding in any. In a, it was all pretty much experiential. For me to be, you know, around people who were, you know, su far superior academically, but had not given their attention to the experiential part of the teaching. So it was it was a peculiar time, but anyway. So I did it for a couple of years, but then I felt lonely, and I I needed to come back to California. <laughs> and so then, and then you did go to the Oxford program, yes. and then you went on from there. Yes, of course. And then, yeah, it was amazing. Then I <laughs> then I stumbled into UC Medical School, and I said, well. Uh, you know, I it, it, there's an old, there's an ancient tradition in, in in university education where you can go audit classes. It's it's true all over Europe, but, but less so true in the states, as, at least in my awareness. So I thought I I had tried. I I, I knew I was going to try to do be interest, interested interested deal with the ocu the acupuncture world and, and get a license and do all that. 
But I knew I needed to have a deeper understanding of medicine. I had no science background at all. I'd never taken any biology. I'd never taken any anything. I mean, I was a psychology person. That was my 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 whole orientation or my you know human humanistic psychology was kind of what would be identifying. So anyway, so I went to the chairman of the of the anatomy department and I explained that I was interested in you know doing you know getting a, an in-depth understanding of of you know what the physiology of the body was so he just put a white coat on me and walked me into the into the into the gross anatomy lab and set me off on a on a, a year's effort of classes at the University of California he called around and got me to take other classes and got me into other classes and it was amazing. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't believe you could just walk into the street, walk in off the street, and pay no fee, and, and just get to get to not he only seen something in you. I haven't any idea, but he was very kind about it, and uh, so I spent a year at UC Medical School, and it was really very important to learn the language of medicine and and learn. You know, learn the parts of the body. If you take, if you spend a year dissecting a human body, you learn a lot of stuff. And if you go to, in my one of my my classes was in nutrition. There was a, a now famous woman named Marian Nessel, who's writing a lot of books still today, writing books on on the, the world of nutrition. Um, she was one of my teachers, and and so on and so forth. So yeah, so I was just it was just amazing. You know, so just. Uh, but I think it it helps to be white. And well spoken. Of course, <laughs> That's the way the system works. Right, right. They also had to see something in your um, in your being that was worth um, investing or I, allowing you to invest. So I think there was a compliment in there. I guess. So then you went to China after that. Right. Yeah. Well, I I had been part of a small group of of gringo wannabe acupuncturist who started working with a woman named Marion Lee, Miriam Lee, I meant to say, from Palo Alto. She was kind of the the leading light of the Chinese practitioners who were really doing fantastic work in terms of, you know, being a, a presence in the in the local, in, the, in, in, in her case, the Palo Alto community, but the Stanford community as well. And so she was very well known as being someone who was a remarkably successful therapist as an acupuncturist. And there were other acupuncturists in San Francisco who were practicing behind card shops and, you know, they were they were doing it, but it was very underground. Miriam Lee was right out there in front, you know, and, and she also took white, you know, gringo-type students. And so for a, a, a bit of time, I spent some time with Miriam, Miriam Lee, um, and that got me started. And then because I was part of that group, um, I, I managed to get an invitation to do this World Health Organization program in Beijing for the for the United Nations, and uh, it was a training for third world doctors. But they allowed uh, one person from California to go to this program for uh, for God knows how how I got to be that person. It, it it amazes me to this day. But anyway, so I got to be part of this program in Beijing as part of the United Nations training program, and and that was interesting. Well, you know, it sounds like a bit of destiny was falling in your lap. <laughs> I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. It was, and it was, it was so interesting to watch the Chinese do it too, because they, of course, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't kidding around, in a way. And at the same time, I saw how much of modern China 
was 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 holding its nose about this old style medicine, and so. What year was this that this you were there? This was nineteen eighty. Uh huh. And and uh, they were, they were just just they were there were there were very few Americans, uh, in in China at that time. And uh, actually, one of my neighbors, a man named Orville Shell, who's quite famous now, he was a. Uh, he became a China, you know, big. China, he's written lots of books, and he was, he yes. was. You, you, you probably know Orville even, and and anyway, so Orville. I actually saw Orville in Beijing one day, but at any rate, um, uh, there were a few ch- people from California who were there, but it was still very, you know, not very many, and uh, so anyway, I don't know where to go with that, but yeah. Well, it was an interesting time to be there. You weren't there right. in it. You were there at a time that was very uh, pivotal politically right. in China, and but getting to see the old tradition, the living tradition, right, which which made it very different. Which, which I went with the idea, hoping to see that Chinese were actually using the system intellectually the way the books talked about it, and I was interested primarily in how they were dealing with mental illness. So, like when I went to their mental health, mental health uh, hospitals, I wanted to. I was hoping to see a, a very erudite form of Chinese medicine, but unfortunately, what I saw was a uh, a very uh, sort of almost disinterested, watered down, uh, mechanistic version of a of a of a practice that. But now I didn't. I didn't get in very deep, and I couldn't see very clearly. So I. I mean, for me to say what I'm saying, I have to be very guarded and you know because I'm just profoundly ignorant, really. But what if, what but appeared this, this was there had been the Cultural Revolution, yes, the right. Mao undermining everything that was the old way. Exactly. Um, no, you put your finger. They had to find the new way. So it yeah. was a very specific time when maybe it would have been dangerous to say this is to not water it down. Because it was a time in the culture. Well, and also they, the Maoists also even changed the language of Chinese medicine. Basically, they they took away the right to to speak of it in a psycho spiritual way, and so everything exactly as you said was very mechanistic, and so you know it was a it it, it was a, a trying time. It was funny though because I was at the Academy of Traditional Chinese Medicine, and and as long as I stayed with the the group that I was part of, the Third World Doctors. It all was this very mechanistic thing, and so on. But then, when I, I used, when I, I, I very soon on realized that I wasn't really getting the full deal, and so I would wander away from the. It was a great big, after all, the Academy of Traditional Chinese Medicine is a great big place, and there's lots of clinics all over the place. And what I used to do is wander, wander away without my minder, and I'd go watch other people doing acupuncture. And it was remarkable. They were doing such different things than they were showing these third world doctors. They were doing, well, just remarkable things in, in terms of style of practice, in terms of what they're attempting to do. But I, of course, I didn't speak Chinese, so it was very awkward to try to really understand. But anyway, blah, blah. So, no, it, well, this is, you know, this is very interesting because what a diverse background you have brought to your practice for well, the 40 years that you've been practicing as an acupuncturist. Right. Well, I, 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 
I always remind people that I'm just a very much a barefoot barefoot doctor beginner. I've had a lot of experience, but I I I haven't really learned very much. I I just have this basic basic set of skills that I do. But anyway, uh, yeah, go but ahead. But you work very much. It sounds like with intuition and intuition, uh, you know, and sort of an, a skilled intuition is very powerful. I, I, su- I suppose it, that's what that's what people tell me actually when they when, when they con- when they comment on what they got from me they say that they say that they're they were grateful for the ability of my intuition to be useful to them so what you're saying seems to be coming out of the mouths of my clients you know so good yeah yeah <laughs> well that's a very it's a very honest compliment and it's very important because you know just the way Western doctors can be. Um, some some can be really remarkable. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And others not. But acupuncture is, you know, for me, acupuncture, I have seen miracles happen. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And seen very special things. And um, you asked me what, maybe for an example, when we were talking the other day, and... um, my mother had cancer and was getting, I think it was cytoplasm, and uh, every two weeks, every month, and I would be with her. I commute every two weeks. I was up there uh, for two weeks, and um, during cytop- during the chemotherapy, she would be violently, violently ill, throwing up what there was nothing to throw up, and then coming home and just being wrecked for two weeks and not being able to eat. And they said, well, have her eat, have her eat anything, have her eat junk food, anything, just get her to eat. Well, I amazingly in that, my nuclear energy hometown found one acupuncturist and he was Chinese and, um, and he was very respected. He was really quite amazing, but every day, every day, before her chemotherapy, I started taking her to the acupuncturist. And after that, while getting the chemotherapy, she would be a little nauseous. She'd come home and sit at the dinner table with the family, and she'd be tired, but she'd eat. And the the doctors in the regular AMA in the hospital were really amazed by this and started to pay attention, started to have um, interest and, and many, many more examples. But that one was one where the the doctors that she was seeing really started paying attention to what was happening because of the chemotherapy, I mean, because of the acupuncture. So I have, I have great admiration for your art, for your healing. Well, and and actually, when you you put your finger on one of the real strengths, now not everybody has had quite as substantial a success as you describe, with of with course. you know with with with, with 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 the situation that you know the, the illness situation you describe, but certainly the one of the really truly famous things that acupuncture is used for exactly is what you describe the 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 quieting and the calming of the system with in the midst of the world of chemotherapy and all the, the 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 troubles that that puts the body through so you were 
you were a lucky girl, and, and so was your mom. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Well, I could go on with other examples. It's why I really appreciate acupuncture. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's such a, yours is such an interesting story because you you brought this huge background that was really diverse and, and interesting to your practice. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last few minutes that we have... Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, so so COVID has shut down everything for so long, but eventually will you practice in maybe in Bolinas? Well, I have an office in Bolinas that's already ready to go. It's all set up, and, and I, I anticipate I will practice at some time. I, I may go back to Sonoma, although I don't know that I'll go back to Sonoma with the uh, diligence that I had before. I, I don't think that I'll live there on a reg, you know, all the time, and which is pretty much what I had done for the last forty years. Was pretty much lived in in Sonoma and had weekends in in Bolinas. But I think I'll probably be more if I go back to Sonoma. It'd be more like fifty fifty. I might have a a day or a day or a day and a half in Sonoma, and maybe a day or a day and a half in in Bolinas, and the rest of the time I'm going to play. I mean, I, I I feel like I I I don't want to spend the rest of my life bound to the medical problems of the world. So I have other interests that I have. So, But I will eventually. Sorry to give you such a long answer to a short question, but uh, that's... Well, you're thinking about it. You're trying to figure it out. And right, this right. is what COVID... The pause of COVID has certainly um, done this for many people, too. It broke all everything that was familiar and habitual and, and brought us into new experiences. Absolutely. And we didn't have... We haven't had time to talk about when you came to Bolinas and worked with Art Carpenter in his furniture making and all of that. But, uh, you know, despite living most of the time in Sonoma, you've also had a real anchor here in Bolinas. And um, nice that you will be bringing your practice. Well, I I hope the town feels that way. And I hope that I'll when I get started again, I hope I will be of some use to the people here. So we'll, we, I guess we, we shall see. I, they talked to me about maybe doing work at the community the community um, medical center, and, and I realized I didn't really want to do the deal with the bureaucracy of that. So I, if I practice, I think I'll only be practicing individually rather than as part of the group, as much as I appreciate Anna O'Malley and all the wonderful things that the coastal health is, situation is doing. It. But I, and That's I, all right. I want you to just be here in town. So I want to say again that this is Original Minds. I'm Eliah Hallworth, and I've been speaking with Ned Hoke, who has been practicing as a ecological ecological medicine and as an acupuncture for more than 40 years. And and Ned, your backstory is really interesting. (laughs) uh, Well, it is. And thank you for sharing it with all of us. Well, it's been it's been it's fun to talk about it, and and, and in a way, and it's it, and it's, of course it's just life. All we all and it, what I think it's so fun for you, fun for me to hear you because I I too am a radio host, and it's fun to be on the other side of it and yeah, and, and uh, you know share the well, fellowship. Thank you so much for being with me today. Okay. This is great. Okay. Take care. Well, thank you.